episode 28. Winston was in Victory Square before the appointed time. He wandered round the base of the enormous fluted column, at the top of which Big Brother's statue gazed southward toward the skies where he had vanquished the Eurasian airplanes. Uh, the East Asian airplanes, it had been a few years ago. In the Battle of Airstrip One. In the street, in front of it, there was a statue of a man on horseback, which was supposed to represent Oliver Cromwell. At five minutes past the hour, the girl had still not appeared. Again, the terrible fear seized upon Winston. She was not coming. She had changed her mind. He walked slowly up to the north side of the square and got a sort of pale-colored pleasure from identifying St. Martin's Church, whose bells, when it had bells, had chimed, you owe me three farthings. Then he saw the girl, standing at the base of the monument, reading or pretending to read a poster which ran spirally up the column. It was not safe to go near her until some more people had accumulated. There were telescreens all round the pediment. But at this moment, there was a din of shouting and a zoom of heavy vehicles from somewhere to the left. Suddenly, everyone seemed to be running across the square. The girl nipped nimbly round the lions at the base of the monument and joined in the rush. Winston followed. As he ran, he gathered from some shouted remarks that a convoy of Eurasian prisoners was passing. Already, a dense mass of people was blocking the south side of the square. Now, Winston, at normal times, the kind of person who gravitates to the outer edge of any kind of scrimmage, shoved, butted and squirmed his way forward into the heart of the crowd. Soon, he was within arm's length of the girl, but the way was blocked by an enormous prole and an almost equally enormous woman, presumably his wife, who seemed to form an impenetrable wall of flesh. Winston wriggled himself sideways and with a violent lunge managed to drive his shoulder between them. For a moment, it felt as though his entrails were being ground to a pulp between the two muscular hips. Then he had broken through, sweating a little. He was next to the girl. They were shoulder to shoulder, both staring fixedly in front of them. A long line of trucks with wooden face guards armed with submachine guns standing upright in each corner was passing slowly down the street. In the trucks, little yellow men in shabby greenish uniforms were squatting, jammed close together. Their sad Mongolian faces gazed out over the sides of the trucks, utterly incurious. Occasionally, when a truck jolted, there was a clank-clank of metal. All the prisoners were wearing leg irons. Truckload after truckload of the sad faces passed. Winston knew they were there, but he saw them only intermittently. The girl's shoulder and her arm right down to the elbow were pressed against his. 
His cheek was almost near enough for him to feel its warmth. She had immediately taken charge of the situation, just as she had done in the canteen. She began speaking in the same expressionless voice as before, with lips barely moving, a mere murmur easily drowned by the dim of voices and the rumbling of trucks. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you get Sunday afternoon off? Yes. Then listen carefully. You'll have to remember this. Go to Paddington Station. With a sort of military precision that astonished him, she outlined the route that he was to follow. A half-hour railway journey. Turn left outside the station, two kilometers along the road. A gate with the top bar missing. A path across a field. A grass-grown lane. A track between bushes. A dead tree with moss on it. It was as though she had a map inside her head. Can you remember all that? She murmured finally. Yes. You turn left and right then left again and the gate's got no top bar. Yes. What time? About 15. You may have to wait. I'll, I'll be there by another way. Are you sure you remember everything? Yes. Then get away from me as quick as you can. She need not have told him that. But for the moment, they could not extricate themselves from the crowd. The trucks were still filing past, the people still insatiably gaping. At the start, there had been a few boos and hisses, but it came only from the party members among the crowd and had soon stopped. The prevailing emotion was simply curiosity. Foreigners, whether from Eurasia or from East Asia, were a kind of a strange animal. One literally never saw them except in the guise of prisoners. And even as prisoners, one never got more than a momentary glimpse of them. Nor did one know what became of them, apart from the few who were hanged as war criminals. The others simply vanished, presumably into forced labor camps. The round mogul faces had given way to faces of a more European type, dirty, bearded, and exhausted. From over scrubby cheekbones, eyes looked into Winston's, sometimes with strange intensity, and flashed away again. The convoy was drawing to an end. In the last truck, he could see an aged man, his face a mass of grizzled hair, standing upright with wrists crossed in front of him as though he were used to having them bound together. It was almost time for Winston and the girl to part. But at the last moment, while the crowd still hemmed them in, her hand felt for his and gave it a fleeting squeeze. It could not have been 10 seconds, and yet it seemed a long time that their hands were clasped together. He had time to learn every detail of her hand. He explored the long fingers, the shapely nails, the work-hardened palm with its row of calluses, the smooth flesh under the wrist. Merely from feeling it, he would have known it by sight. In the same instant, it occurred to him that he did not know what color the girl's eyes were. They were probably brown, but people with dark hair sometimes had blue eyes. To turn his head and look at her would have been inconceivable folly. With hands locked together, invisible among the press of bodies, they stared steadily in front of them, 
and instead of the eyes of the girl, the eyes of the aged prisoner gazed mournfully at Winston out of nests of hair. End of chapter one.